Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus podcast. Tonight we're going to talk about Wu-Tang. Why? Well, because I don't think they get the credit that they truly deserve. You know, um, if you think of it, you think of, okay, there's several different solo acts within Wu-Tang who all sprouted out and did solo albums. That's one. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to also talk about the things that they've sampled, such as Gladys Knight. And it's going to be fun, informative, so I promise you some Wu-Tang. Stay tuned, Dr. Zeus Podcast. Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Podcast. I promise you some Wu-Tang Clan. I always refer to them as Wu-Tang, though. I don't... The Wu-Tang Clan. I don't know. Um, How many members are within the Wu-Tang? Well, enter the 36 Chambers. Come on. Released in 1993. The title is basically from the martial arts film Enter the Dragon and the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. So with Wu-Tang... you know, you've got... Now I have to look at the album cover to remember how many members within this hip-hop group there were. And mainly we're going to talk about Wu-Tang Forever because this was the era of the double album within hip-hop. So you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, rest in peace, ODB. I think out of all of them, though, ODB, because remember, ODB did the fantasy remix with Mariah Carey, and so that really put ODB on the map. People knew who ODB were uh, before they knew who the RZA was. I mean, they knew who they knew who Method Man was, you know, because he came to bring the pain hardcore from the brain. Um, I'm such a Wu Tang fan, but here's here's why we're talking about them is because. In the 90s, there was this thing with the double albums. Whenever you think of double albums, you think, okay, anthologies, opera, classical music. At that time, you didn't think hip-hop, okay? And it's it started off with Tupac. Tupac put out All Eyes on Me. It was a double album. So you know the Notorious B.I.G., sees that and puffy is just dollar signs every i think everything with puffy is dollar signs when someone dies it's dollar signs i'm not a big fan of puffy i know people who are and too bad for you um but uh (laughs) we could get into suge knight but we're not talking about that um so so tupac puts out the double album in february of 96 and then in March of 97, Biggie puts out Life After Death. Okay, double album. You know, the fact that they could... And you got to remember, this is the 90s. So everyone's attention span was a little different than now. Where if some people can only listen to a minute uh, or maybe 30 seconds of a song before they get bored. But in the 90s, you know, they would really fill up these albums you know, and make sure that the production was tight. And for me, Live After Death, you know, it had its good points and its bad points. 
you know, it had a lot of radio hits, but we're not going to dive into that. We're going to dive into Wu-Tang Forever. And the reason why I wanted to talk about Wu-Tang Forever was um, the lyrical content. You know, I know a lot of people who don't like hip-hop. It's just noise. Well, you do realize that there is a story going on. There's a story. Okay, first of all, the MCs are talking to each other. Okay? They're having a dialogue. They're also having a dialogue with the other coast. They're also having a dialogue within their area of what they're seeing and what's going on. And um, with Wu-Tang Forever, I mean, they went all out. This was a double album of epic. First of all, the thing that stuck out to me, and here's the thing with the 90s. So before YouTube, before um, you could watch things and stream them, you know, we had these things called CDs. Remember those? And what really caught me was, is that Wu-Tang's Wu-Tang Forever was enhanced. Okay. So you could put it in your computer and it would run it. So then you'd have these cool options and menus you could watch videos of can it be that it was also simple cream and you could look at the different um solo solo albums that everyone had put out up until that point so it was an interactive uh, interactive experience with Wu-Tang Forever now that sets it apart from All Eyes on Me and Life After Death okay they were not they didn't have an interactive experience so that's what jumped out at me with Wu-Tang forever okay and um I mean you, you got to think about it at that point can't really hear myself there we go at that point they were all really stars the wizard was producing people um Method Man had run, won a Grammy ODB had done that thing with Mariah Carey Raekwon had done a really successful solo album, um, you know, and so everyone was kind of, you know, floating around and they were doing their own thing. So when they came back together to do Wu-Tang Forever, it truly was a monumental experience. For me, it's monumental because it was an interactive experience. Artists weren't doing that. Not many artists. If you could count maybe on both hands how many had interactive albums out. It was a rare thing. I I think it was a smart thing because those who did it were aware of the future, where the future was going to go musically, interactively. You know, now everything's on YouTube, okay? Um, And then just the lyrical content. Wu-Tang Forever really just jumped at me. I mean, there's a song in there. Of course, Reunited, Double L, PMC is Excited. Um, you can tell how many times I listened to that album. Triumph, you know. Um, yeah, I couldn't quote that one. Um, for me though, it's all about for heaven's sakes. The way that song opens, the sample that they chose, it was very smart. And then they're talking about the third eye, dominant intelligence, Willie Mays. And I was like, oh, okay. Because I understood with hip-hop, you're throwing all these different eggs in the basket, okay? You're slushing them around, you know? And people would reference things. Like, 
Lauren Hill would reference with the Fugees, you know, say, say like Paul McCartney, hardly, you know, stuff like that. And so, like I said, with the MCs, they're all talking to each other. So with For Heaven's Sakes, what stuck out at me was, okay, they're talking about these things that at that point I wasn't aware of. I'm aware of it now. You know, the third eye. Um, um, They're tapping into, you know, the uh, hypothalamus, spiritualism. Um, but it was, it was Wu-Tang, you know, it was Wu-Tang, the Wu-Tang clan and the album, I think it was nominated for a Grammy and it lost out to Puff Daddy. (laughs) I have to laugh. I'm not a big Puffy fan. I never have been. Yeah. He, he thinks of himself as the Barry Gordy of hip hop, but come on, let's get real here. And, um, yeah, uh, so he he wins for best rap album, and Wu Tang Clan is pissed. Mainly ODB, and ODB gets up there and interrupts another. Uh, it was Sean Colvin had won for Song of the Year for Sunny Came Home. Remember that? And um, he just got on the mic and started going off. I don't blame him though. I'd be pissed too if I got beat out by Puffy. Puff Daddy be my pal when I yee 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 yeah. Remember that? Um, it's the nineties. Come on. Uh, but yeah, and I, I feel bad for them. They should the shoot. They should have been nominated for album of the year for, for Wu Tang Forever. But you know, at that point, hip hop albums weren't getting nominated for album of the year. It wouldn't be until, um, mm, yeah, in that eerie that year. 1998 Lauren Hill's The Miseducation of Lauren Hill is released it wins album of the year in February of 1999 first hip hop album ever okay wouldn't be until um, 2019 that This Is America you know Childish Gambino won for record of the year and song of the year first hip hop song ever ever Okay. Um, well, you know, no, that's not true. Not not totally, because then you had Outcast, Hey Ya, but that was Andre Three Thousand. Because you you know, with Outcast, Speaker Box, and The Love Below is basically two solo albums strung together. I think people forget that, so it's not totally Outcast. I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of like a Beatles thing, you know. Let's all do a double album with, and we all do solo songs, you know. But with Wu Tang, the Wu Tang Forever album, I mean, I listened to that album, start to finish. I we can dive into it because we've got time. Triumph was the first single. It's yours. Reunited. Um. Here's a little info. Wu-Tang Forever debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 with 612,000 copies sold in its first week. The album was certified four times platinum. Mm, Okay. As a double disc release, it earns a sales point per disc sold. It is the group's highest selling album to date. Upon its release, Wu-Tang Forever received favorable reviews. Okay, who cares? Oh, yeah. 
I, with the critics, sometimes it's like, you know, they got their head in their ass. Um, let's dive into this album. Okay. Woo Revolution. ODB. Come on. Reunited. Love it. For heaven's sakes. Um, Cash still rules the scary hours. Still don't nothing but the move but the money. Visions. I always love visions. As high as Wu-Tang get. <laughs> Severe punishment. You know what that's about. Older Gods, Maria, A Better Tomorrow, that's a really good song, It's Yours, Double, and then the second disc is Triumph, of course, Impossible, Little Ghetto Boys, Deadly Melody, The Projects, Bells of War, MGM, Dog Shit, I'm, I'm guessing that's ODB, Duck Season, Hell's Wind Staff, Haters, Oh yeah, Black Shampoo, Second Coming, The Closing. So, it, it's a well-rounded album, and um, I wanted to talk about it because I was listening to it, and I thought, you know, Wu-Tang Clan doesn't get the love that they truly deserve. That double album, I mean, double LP, World Excited, you know, um, yeah, let me see, I can't really hear myself. There we go. Okay. So I had posted something about it earlier. I figured, you know, I want to I want to give you a, a fun show. And um, with the Wu Tang, you know, you you're always gonna have fun. Come on. Here it is. Oh yeah. So I said I stated this. I said the main reason why that this is one of my favorites off Wu Tang's double album Wu-Tang Forever the lyrics for those of you who don't like hip-hop and think that it's just noise there's a story going on and a dialogue between the MCs and what they see in society so um like he says I'm not gonna rap it because you know I could try and do like be real's voice from Cypress Hill but I don't I don't steal okay so he says hey yo yo my rap style swing like Willie Mays my eye purple haze my solar razor burn through hit shades my grenades raid their airwaves. Catch this rap page. I glide like hovercraft on the other glades. Boom, massive with the faster blast blade. Track slash and manufacture poems to the microphone's bones fracture. Limited edition composition for spark friction. Non fiction the calm bomb. You oh, I'm just I'm not gonna even continue. It, that's why Wu Tang raps and I don't. Okay. Um and then I thought, you know, I was going to talk about the earlier stuff because, you know, I was listening to Gladys Knight and I remember she did her version of The Way We Were. Can it be that it was all so simple? And Wu-Tang sampled that for their 36 album, 36 Chambers album. Okay. Legendary moment. Gladys Knight and the Pips could have said no. But they, you know, I, I don't, you know, when it comes to sampling stuff, I don't know if maybe they do have a say. They, you know, it's got to understand that. And that's not Motown. They were not on Motown when they did that. So that's, they, they got that sampling. You know, you get credited for that. Um, that used to not be the case. You know, now if you don't do that, you, you get in deep, deep trouble. So for me, the impact of... Wu-Tang's, Wu-Tang Clan's, Wu-Tang Forever is just, it's immense. And I wanted to just talk about it because it still rings true today. That album came out 
22 years ago. It is such a powerful album. Or 23 years ago, I'm sorry. I think they're due for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And people, you know what? When you say to me, it's, rap doesn't belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Shut up. Shut up. Don't be drinking that Gene Simmons haterade, okay? I'm so... Gene Simmons likes to... You know who Gene Simmons reminds me of? He reminds me of Trump. That's who he reminds me of. Because he's always hating on shit. He's always biting shit. He needs to shut up. You know, here's the thing. I'm not a big Kiss fan. I respect them as businessmen and musicians. But just remember, they went disco at one point. I was man. Anyway, um, you know, and... um, But to say to someone... Oh, you don't belong in here, but we do. Fuck you. Fuck you. And the horse that you ride in on. He eats horses, too. I don't know. He's Gene Simmons. Yeah. Sometimes, and I'm going to segue to this. I don't know what Cher. Cher, why did you let him put his dick in you? Come on. You're smarter than that, baby. Now, Cher was on the Wu-Tang Clan's album that hasn't gotten released yet. I think some guy bought it for $2 million. It's never been released. You know, I've heard just a clip of it. So, if they were to remix Wu-Tang Forever, they could just put Cher on there. Come on. <laughs> Do you believe in Wu-Tang today? <laughs> I love it. But yeah, you know, um, but I would be remiss if we don't talk about the members of the Wu-Tang Clan because you gotta remember it's a group you know this is not Sonny and Cher this is not Donnie and Marie and the Osmonds okay this is the Wu-Tang Clan okay originally composed of the RZA Jizza, Old Dirty Bastard Method Man, Raekwon Ghostface Killer, Inspector Deck U-God and Master Ace uh, Master Killer um and rest in peace ODB um ODB was so funny he was so funny he was what we would call a loose cannon okay if there were stars of the Wu-Tang Clan uh, it's it's Raekwon of course Method Man the RZA you know um Inspector Deck uh and ODB you know, I, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from the rest of the members of Wu-Tang Clan. But I think ODP, you think of, I mean, lyrically, it was just crazy. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy, yeah. I remember when I first heard that and I was like, and I knew what drugs were. And I thought, oh, he's stoned. <laughs> but I loved it. You know, I loved his energy. I think a lot of people loved his energy. Obviously, Mariah Carey loved his energy. Tommy Mottola, I don't think so. I've heard things about Tommy Mottola. You can tell when Mariah had complete control over a project because she was like, I want to put them on. I want to put Bone Thugs on. It's like, oh my God. You know, no more One Sweet Day. She wants to put, you know, Wu-Tang on the song. Hey, okay. ODB. I love Hope. You know, he's may he rest in peace. I mean, you know, he he had crazy moments. 
but you think of the legacy of the Wu-Tang Clan, you think of ODB. God, ODB's been gone since 2004. He was only 35 years old when he died. That's sad. What did, what did he die of? An accidental drug overdose two days before his 36th birthday. That's sad. Okay, I love this. We, we got to talk about him. Old Dirty Bastard was noted for his outlandish profane, free associative rhymes delivered in a distinctive half-wrapped, half-sung style. His stage name was derived from the 1980 Chinese martial arts film Old Dirty and the Bastard, also called an old kung fu master. Okay. Yeah. You know, and then Method Man. I think a lot of us remember the Method Man duet with Mary J. Blige. Uh, for me, though, it's all about I bring the pain. I love that. There, you know, there's something magical about Method Man. No one, no one was rapping like that at that time. I can tell you, everyone was rapping about gold chains. And here's Wu Tang. They're like, no. We don't have them, you know. Um, I mean, they were they were rapping about cream, dollar dollar bills. Come on, but they weren't. You know, they were talking about what was going around them. You know, I think for me, it's it's all about can it be that it was all so simple? Because they're telling a story if you listen closely, and I think a lot of you who like to try to write off hip hop as that it's nothing that it's meaningless there is meaning within it okay but you gotta listen closely don't overanalyze okay just listen closely so to the members of the wu-tang clan my microphone keeps getting all muffled to the members of the wu-tang clan i want to give my respects because um i i I think you you all don't get the credit that you deserve, especially for Wu-Tang Forever, because of how step in the future it truly was, interactively. The videos, I, I remember putting that enhanced CD on my brother and I, it was on his computer, and everything that you could access, you could access like a bio, videos, sound clips, it was the wave of the future, and we knew it. And other artists just didn't tap into that. I mean, okay, the, those legendary double albums of the 90s in hip-hop, Tupac's All Eyes on Me, Biggie's Life After Death, and the Wu-Tang Clan's Wu-Tang Forever. Now, it wasn't until um, Tupac's All Eyes on Me was reissued for like an anniversary edition that it was enhanced I mean the technology had already caught up to everything but the fact that this is 1997 it was released in June of 1997 that was such an amazing summer musically and I am just in awe of Wu-Tang Clan's Wu-Tang Forever and I want to give them respect you know I, I think that they have a good path to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It shouldn't matter. But for me, it does. Because then that acknowledges that the, these nine solo artists 
were able to come together as a group. That's a pretty powerful statement. These nine individuals on this double album. You talk about a party right there. Every And everyone's able to put their collective ideas together. Even with ODB. Rest in peace, motherfucker. Okay? As always, unpleasant dreams. Wu-Tang!